Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. We are your hosts, Anastasia and Saskia. On today's podcast, we're very excited to welcome Harvin, the head of commercial partnerships at Scope3. Scope3 is on a mission to decarbonize the entire digital advertising industry, which um, is a first for us. So we're very excited to discuss this topic. Harvin, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, Would you please like to introduce yourself and give us a brief overview of Scope3? Sure. And thank you very much for having me. Uh, So my name is Harvin Gupta and I head up commercial partnerships at Scope3. And exactly like you said, our company mission is to decarbonize media and advertising. And the way we want to get there is through data and the use of data. So that's really relevant for advertising. Advertising is a very data-driven industry. But actually, I've been in this industry for a really long time. And I used to do quite a lot of consulting. And you know what? In the, the sort of 10 years I did consulting, we talked a lot about data, but we never stopped to say, what's the impact on the environment of this business decision I'm about to make. If I design my tech stack or if I design my ad campaign in this way, what impact is that going to have on the environment? How much carbon is that going to emit? It's just something we, as an industry in the past, we've never spoken about. So my personal mission is to make it so that whenever anyone makes a a decision, a business decision in the online advertising industry, I personally want them to consider carbon emissions as one of the data points that they consider when making that business decision. And I think if they do that, we're in a really good place and we're we're making really good progress towards hitting that mission of decarbonizing media and advertising. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's something that I presume most businesses don't think about. And even us being a sustainable company, it's not something that we've really thought about in the past. So how did you come to this, this point, um, this realization where you realize that something needs to happen, needs to be changed? Yeah, so it's a really good point. And you know what? I was exactly the same as you are. So um, I knew Brian and Anne, who are the co-founders of Scope3, from a a previous role. And actually, I'm really good friends with Anne. And she rang me up one day and said, hey, I'm starting a a business in in ad tech, and it's it's looking at sustainability, and it's trying to decarbonize um, the media and advertising space. And I remember the conversation I had with her was, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, digital advertising doesn't have a sustainability problem. And the way I thought about it was print advertising, you know, when you've got an ad in a glossy magazine, you can kind of see the pollution. You can understand that a tree was chopped down to create the paper. And you can sort of see that when you finish with a magazine, you toss it in the the bin and and that that causes problems. So it's kind of clear why print might have um, a a large carbon footprint. But when you think about, you know, websites and, and digital advertising, you don't stop to think about all of the, the kind of complex processes that go into that. And you don't stop to think about all of the data centers that are required um, to, to show websites and to serve digital advertising. And actually, you know, what I've been thinking about a lot recently is the use of the word, the cloud. So, you know, people say, oh, we've built our tech in the cloud. And that sounds great, doesn't it? The the cloud sounds like this sort of natural thing, um, kind of ephemeral thing. But actually, when we talk about the cloud, what we're really talking about is huge warehouses that are full of computers. 
And those computers are all plugged in using huge amounts of electricity. They need to be cooled down because they're creating so much heat and that requires a lot of air conditioning, which again, using uses a lot of electricity. And you know what, actually, I read a, a really interesting fact the other day, which is one of the reasons why we have such a large housing problem in London is because they can't build too many new houses because there's simply not enough energy. Where's that energy going? Well, it's going into all of these data centers that are required to you know, keep the internet online. And the actual um, amount of processing power that goes into showing you ads when you go onto a website is actually much larger than you think it was going to be. So when I was having this conversation with Anne, she gave me a stat that I've, I use again and again because I think it's mind-blowing. And that stat was that for every million ads that are shown on the internet, the carbon emissions are equivalent to a return flight from London to Boston. Now, a million ads might sound like a lot, but actually think about how large the internet is. Think about how many websites there are and how often and how many people are using those websites. Actually, a million ads is, you know, probably served across the entirety of the internet in seconds. So actually, digital advertising has a really large carbon problem. And when that was explained to me and I stopped to think about it, I was like, that does make sense. It's just something that you don't, initially see but i've got to you know i've spent a lot of time in this industry and i've spent a lot of time actually designing the the tech stacks that publishers use to make their their kind of websites their inventory available to advertisers and designing the technology that advertisers use to to buy um digital um ads so i kind of know that the the technology really well and when i stopped to think about it and i stopped to think about all of the different processes that happen i realized actually Anne was right and we do need to do something about this so that that's that's the problem but what's super exciting is actually i think there's a lot of opportunity i genuinely believe that we can be potentially even the first industry to say that, you know, we've solved for this and we've, we've, we've gone to as close to zero carbon emissions as possible as an industry. So that's something that, that I find really exciting. And as you've spoken about, you know, the kind of being able to track all the advertising um, that's out there in terms of, or perhaps not being able to track it just due to the sheer capacity of how much ads there are, as you mentioned, the figure 1 million, um, I think it would now would be a very great time for you to also tell us and the listeners what a media and advertising supply chain is, what it looks like and how it helps you um, decarbonize the industry. Yeah, sure. So the first thing I'd say is that the advertising supply chain is incredibly complex. Um, if you imagine on one side, you've got an advertiser and they want to buy uh, advertising and they want to show their ads to the right audience. And then on the other side, you've got a publisher. So, you know, the Guardian, the Telegraph, the New York Times, and they've got a website and they want to fill the slots that they have for advertising with, you know, with adverts and, and keep that um, budget as their, their revenue. So you could have a very, very short supply chain. You could have the advertiser and the publisher talking directly to each other. Now, from a sustainability perspective, that really short supply chain is fantastic. But the reality is actually really far away from that. So what we have is the advertiser on one side and the publisher on the other side, and a whole ton of technology in the middle. You've got a lot of different processes, a lot of different companies, a lot of different technology um, involved. So what you have is the advertiser and the publisher are actually really far away from each other. And in the middle, you've got this very complicated, very long, often incredibly bloated, and often incredibly non-transparent 
supply chain. Now, from a business perspective, that's not great. You know, people don't like these incredibly long and complicated supply chains. And so as an industry, that's something they're trying to fix from a business perspective. But the problem is every person in this supply chain has a lot of technology. They're all set up in a data center and they're all being called and they're all having to process large amounts of data in milliseconds. They're making big data decisions in split seconds. And all of that goes into um, serving just a single ad. So, so yeah, what, what we have is this incredibly long, complex supply chain and every person, every company, every platform that's part of this supply chain is having to make very complicated decisions that require a large amount of computational power in literally milliseconds. And a lot of what's happening is happening in duplicate. So you have a lot of platforms all trying to make these complex decisions in milliseconds but a lot of that is redundant because it's duplicative. So that's kind of why we have this problem. But what I want to do, if you don't mind, is just take a few moments to talk about what the supply chain looks like and who's involved in the supply chain and, and kind of talk a little bit about how it evolved to be the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, Go ahead. So to begin with, we've got a publisher. Let's take The Guardian, for example. So The Guardian, they own and they maintain a website and that that generates carbon. So, you know, they they have journalists that take flights, they have servers, they have offices, um, and all of that is, is generating carbon. So that's one part of the supply chain. The next part of the, the advertising supply chain is what we call ad tech, advertising technology. So this is where a lot of the, the problem begins. So when a company wants to, when, when a publisher like The Guardian wants to sell their advertising, what they do is they run an auction. And they invite lots and lots of um, participants into that auction. The theory being, the more people that bid into that auction, the higher the price that the Guardian will will make for their for their adverts. And then you've got the advertiser that is um, basically bidding into this auction. So they'll get the opportunity to show their ad on the Guardian, and they'll say. For this particular user, for this particular piece of inventory, this is the maximum I'm willing to bid. So they'll submit their bid into this auction. And in that way, the theory is that the, the publisher receives the maximum price for the inventory that they're making available. The problem becomes that the way the industry has evolved and the way ad tech has kind of um, become this really sort of dominant way of working is that publishers have been incentivized to add more and more ad tech to their page. So rather than just working with one auction house, they're working with multiple auction houses all at the same time. And all of these auction houses are working kind of duplicatively. They're all working um, in conjunction with each other at the same time. So they're all being called in parallel at the same time. And then all of these auction houses are soliciting bids from exactly the same advertisers. So an advertiser is bidding into, you know, loads and loads of auctions, but actually there's only one ad that's up for sale. So what we can say is, unfortunately, the economics of online advertising are broken. They're broken because publishers are incentivized to add more and more and more technology to their page. They're incentivized to have more and more of these auctions, even though they're only selling one ad impression. And this is bad for the advertisers as well, because they're forced to bid into all of these auctions. 
And so it's hard for them to get have a really good understanding of, of what's going on as well. The problem is each one of these auctions generates carbon. And there's so many of them happening, but there's only one winner. There's only one ad for sale and there's only one winner of that ad. But actually we have hundreds of calls to hundreds of data centers and that's what's causing the problem. But it's also what's ripe for optimization. Did that, did that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for giving such an in-depth overview of something that I, and I'm sure many others have no idea about. So it was very interesting to hear. Where does scope three come into the picture and how exactly are you guys decarbonizing the advertising industry? So the first thing uh, I want to go back to is data. So what we have is a carbon emissions model. So what this does is it allows an advertiser to upload what in the industry we call an end of campaign report. So let's say I'm an advertiser and I've just run my campaign. Uh, maybe it's the you know the summer campaign that I'm running to promote my product. At the end of that campaign, I'll have a report. And what that report shows me is all of the different websites that my ad appeared on and how much it cost and, and the performance of, of that. So did someone click on it? Did someone actually buy the product? What we allow advertisers to do is to upload that end of campaign report into our platform. And what we output is how much carbon, what was the carbon footprint of that particular campaign? And what was where was that carbon in their supply chain? So for every single website that that ad appeared on, we're able to say the exact amount of carbon that was generated through showing that ad. So in that way, an advertiser is able to understand how much carbon they have in their supply chain, and they're able to see where that carbon was. Now, this is super important, especially to companies that have made a net zero commitment. And the last that I saw said that 80% of the FTSE 100, so you know, all, most of the large companies in the UK who are the large advertisers have made commitments to be net zero. So that means two things. Firstly, it means that they need to drive carbon emissions down to as close to zero as possible. And secondly, it means it's not just okay for the company to drive its own emissions down to as close to zero as possible. They have to also be driving the emissions of their supply chain down to as close to zero as possible. So it's really valuable for a company to be able to measure the carbon in their supply chain, especially if they've made one of these net zero commitments. So that's the, the first thing we want to do. We want to become the standard way for people to firstly measure carbon in this industry, to talk about carbon in this industry, and to agree for who's responsible for what carbon emissions in the supply chain. So yeah, I think data is um, a fundamental way that we, we want to do this. The second thing that we talk about is this idea of green media products. So once an advertiser has measured the carbon in their supply chain, the next conversation they always have with us is, okay, fine, we've got this measurement. We realize that we have a problem. We realize that our you know, digital advertising supply chain is generating more carbon than we're happy with. So how do we begin that decarbonization process? How do we start to reduce the carbon in our supply chain? Because to be net zero, they need to have a plan in place to show, to evidence that reduction. And that's where this idea of green media products comes in. So, and I find this really interesting because the theory behind green media products is actually quite a simple one. Um, so the idea is that if something is free, 
people won't really take care of how much of it they use. You know, if something's free, you'll use as much of it as you can and you won't think about it. And that's basically what's happened in this industry. Carbon up until now has been completely free. So no one's stopped to think about how much carbon they're emitting. They've been very loose and you know free and easy um, emitting carbon. So the idea is that as soon as something stops being free, as soon as you receive a bill for something, your behavior changes. You try to reduce the amount that you use of that product because you don't want to pay a hefty bill. So we've taken this idea and we've applied it to digital advertising through a concept called carbon pricing. So carbon pricing is a really simple idea. It basically says, if you emit carbon, you have to pay for that carbon. And if you have to pay for that carbon, that will drive systemic change because people won't want to pay a high price for the carbon. So they'll start to take action to reduce the amount of carbon they emit in the first place. So in reality, the way this works is a publisher who wants to sell uh, their inventory, they want to sell the, the advertising slots that they have on their page, they will commit to work with Scope 3. They'll say to an advertiser, when you buy a green media product from us, we'll work with Scope 3, we'll measure the carbon associated with that product, with that ad campaign, and then we'll pay for the carbon that we emit. And the price that they pay is $100 per metric ton of carbon that was emitted, which is a high price. It's deliberately an expensive price for carbon. Now, because the publisher is paying for the carbon that they, they're producing, what this does is it changes the economics of the industry. I started by saying the economics of this industry are broken because at the moment, the publisher is incentivized to add more and more and more ad tech onto their page in order to make more money. By charging the publisher for carbon, the economics change. Now they're incentivized to reduce their carbon bill. And the way they do that is by reducing the amount of ad tech that they work with. And in that way, they reduce their carbon emissions which means they pay a lower price for the carbon that they do emit. It also means that they can tap into budgets from advertisers who are now starting to say, we're only going to spend our budgets on publishers that can offer us green media products because we've got a commitment to be carbon, uh, to be net zero. And the only way that we can hit that commitment rapidly is by shifting our budgets onto publishers that can offer us green media. So we think this idea of green media products drives systemic change, which will allow us as an industry to rapidly decarbonize. So it's a really powerful idea and we're seeing it, it we're actually seeing it in action and we're seeing it work, which is for me like a, a really exciting thing. A lot of great points um, covered there, Harvin. Thank you. I think just for us to circle back a little bit, uh, and then um, I'm sure Saskia will have a lot of questions for you in relation to green media products. But just very quickly from my side, just circling back briefly, as you mentioned, various organizations have made um, commitments to net zero. And with all of that being said, and also some of the processes that you've just described, Considering these commitments and the services that you offer, is at the moment monitoring digital advertising and the footprint 
Um, is that a popular practice amongst corporations or is it pretty novel? So it's new. And I think that's very fair to say. Um, this has, there hasn't really been a way of doing this at scale before Scope 3 came along and we built our emissions model. But with that said, brands are very quickly realizing that digital advertising is a part of their supply chain and that digital advertising has a carbon emissions problem. So, you know, when we talk to advertisers, often they're like, well, do we have a problem? And when I give them the stats and when I talk to them about how the industry works, they're like, actually, we do have a problem and we do need to start measuring this. So while it's new, it's certainly um, really gathering steam and and the conversations with advertisers are, are really interesting because they're they're kind of focused on doing this and they really do want to make a difference i think up until now the will has been there but there's not been a way of executing it so um i think that's what's changing so to round off the episode where should a company begin when they start to shift towards green media so our data shows that a lot of the carbon in this industry is coming from the publisher. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the steps a publisher can take to lower their carbon footprint. So the first thing I think about is what does the design of the web page look like? If you've got one big ad on the page, that's much more efficient from a carbon perspective than having lots and lots and lots of smaller ads. And oh my God, how many websites have you been to where you can't even see the content because there's so many ads and sometimes honestly you see ads on top of ads and then the content that you want to read behind that that's rubbish from a user experience but it's also a disaster for the environment it's much more beneficial to have just one big ad and and and, and that's it so the first thing a publisher can think about is what is their ad strategy and by the way having one ad rather than lots of smaller ads that's what users want as well so it's going to make your website more popular the next thing I think about is rationalizing the amount of ad tech that they work with. So thinking through and, and plotting almost how much revenue am I getting from a company versus how much is working with that company adding to my carbon footprint. And I bet you for a lot of publishers, there's a long tail of companies that are generating a high amount of carbon, but producing a low amount of revenue up until now. There's been no reason for a publisher not to work with those companies. But as soon as you have to pay for carbon via green media products, it doesn't make sense. So I think cutting out the long tail of um, ad tech that are high carbon but low revenue, that's the fastest way a publisher can start to decarbonize their site. On the other side, we have advertisers. And the conversation we have with advertisers when they say, how do I start to reduce the amount of carbon in my supply chain? What we say to them is, well, there's a couple of different things you can do. First of all, think about where you spend your budgets. So look at all of the websites that you serve on and look at what their carbon emissions are. And what you can start to do is move budgets away from high carbon sites and move them onto lower carbon sites. So that's the first thing we say. But I do want to call out that that in of itself is not uh, the best strategy. The reason for that is our society. You know, it's a free and fair press is a fundamental part of our democracy. But often what we find is that news websites, by nature of the fact that they are news, they, they have journalists and they have to take flights, 
often have higher carbon emissions than you know maybe a, a, a user's blog or someone uploading photos of their cats you know that kind of user-generated content long tail of the internet often has a lower carbon footprint so if a a brand says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just move 100% of my budget away from high carbon onto low carbon. That might have a really horrible unintended consequence of removing budgets from news websites that, like I said, I, I think are really important for our, our society and our democracy. So that's why we encourage brands to not only you know optimize where they spend their budgets, but start to shift spend onto publishers that can offer a green media product. So the conversation there is they should approach potentially a news website and say, hey, I really want to carry on working with you. I really want to carry on spending my budget with you. But can you offer me the same inventory that I'm buying today as a green media product? Because if the publisher says, yes, I can, what that means is the advertiser can first of all say, well, the publisher's paid the carbon price. And that money's been invested in carbon compensation projects. So the carbon associated with that, that particular campaign is netted out to zero. And because we're putting the financial incentive in place for the publisher to decarbonize, we've now got a path for them going to as close to zero as possible. So the conversation we're having with advertisers and with brands is, first of all, think about where you're spending your budgets and start to ring fence budgets to only be spent on publishers that can offer you green media products. And in that way, they can rapidly decarbonize and they can rapidly work towards their net zero commitments. Well, Harvin, thank you so much for being with us today and for telling us more about Scope 3. For all of the listeners, we will leave links to Scope 3 in the description of this podcast. So please make sure to check them out. And also make sure to follow Sustainability Speaks on all of our socials, which will also be linked below. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you.